It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornstein. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornstein. I'm a senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church right here in Colorado Springs. I'm thrilled that you're tuning in today. We are continuing in our study of spiritual warfare. Now, we began the study together of talking about what it means to prepare for battle Uh, Then a couple weeks ago, Dr. Steve Ford took us through the spiritual realm. We continued in that discussion last week, really examining a little bit more about our enemy, the devil, and how he works, and what the book of Revelation has to teach us about not only how he drew a third of the angels of heaven to join him in his fight against the Lord and his work, but also how he manipulates the world governments for his purposes, his unholy purposes, as he rallies together this confederacy of governments that will turn against Jesus Christ. So as we learned all of that, we really began to understand more about how he works. His target is not only coming against the Lord Jesus, but those who claim the name of Christ, those who follow his commandments. They also are his target. So what are we to do about that? Because it's one thing to acknowledge that we are in spiritual warfare, but it's another entirely then to prepare for it. Going into boot camp, getting spiritually readied, that when we arise in the morning, we're no longer in this complacency or apathetic mindset, that we're simply just going about the busyness of our day and and really just completely oblivious to really what's going on around us. We even read the scriptures about Elisha's servant's eyes being opened to the reality of the hilltops covered with chariots of fire, that there is a spiritual battle taking place right now, and it's not something that you can run from. If you have claimed the name of Christ, if you belong to Jesus Christ, this battle is at your doorstep, whether you are ready for it or not. So we are here to prepare you today. We'll be talking about the armor of God today. So to help me to do that, uh, once again, Dr. Steve Ford is back in the studio with us. Dr. Ford, welcome back to engage in truth. Hey, John, it's great to be back. Great for both of us to be back together again. This That's right. Awesome. I really enjoyed the last episode, and and uh, I'm going to a quote here. A tactical, noble, continual campaign is <laughs> what right. we've launched on from the time that we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. And I loved how you quoted from the Gospel of Heartbreak Ridge last episode, <laughs> which was absolutely fantastic. We took one of our family mottos from there, improvise, adapt, and overcome from that movie. Right. Uh, as I grew closer yep. to the Lord through the years, I added pray to the beginning of that mm. and then improvise, adapt, and overcome. So. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and and know, know how our enemy operates and the weapons that he right, uses, exactly, right? Yeah. And we are oblivious to that often right. as Christians. Right, yeah. I was thinking even as I was listening to uh, your intro and I was thinking how long you know, I grew up in the church and how many sermons I've been through and, and teaching and so, so many great teachers and pastors, uh, and yet I haven't really been taught that much about spiritual warfare and the need to armor up. Mm. But really, it's more just been like living a good life, being a good person, right. you know, those sorts of sermons, which are great. Those are important, uh, yeah. but not really uh, the, the type of armor that we're talking about today. And I, I think maybe it's because today we just, 
we really feel like we're in battle more so than than the second half of the 20th century. That's right. Today we're feeling really feeling that pressure and that oppression and, and the challenge to our beliefs and our culture. Yeah, we we've really had to come face to face with the reality that there are uh, forks in the road that are being presented in right. our culture today. If I'm going to go left or if I'm going to go right on a particular issue, and, and and is this a hill that I die on? Am right. I willing to take a stand for something? And taking a stand may even cost me my employment right, right. now in right. certain topics. And we've we've covered a bit of those, but it, there is some confusion at times about, well, wait a minute, is this the right thing to do as a Christian, or am I convicted by this because I have conservative values, or right. whatever that might That's look important like? Distinction. So yeah, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll get into that as we really do a vulnerability assessment, sure. uh, because as we understand how our enemy operates in and through this world, he often tries to deceive with masking true intentions. And so we have to be discerning as the sons of Issachar, that as we navigate the signs of the times, as we really, you know, quite frankly, if if we haven't begun to see the birth pangs at work here, that Jesus Christ is coming soon, then we probably are a bit oblivious to what's really going on around That's us. Right. I mean, even as we are recording this broadcast, we know that, you know, there are, there are tensions brewing in Europe. Uh, right there with Russia and Ukraine, and and, uh, and and these things are prophetic, really. We know that as Gog and Magog are brewing, and, and as the Confederacy of Nations will turn against Israel, and, and these things have to occur, and we not be dismayed by those, uh, but we learn how to pray with intentionality. We learn how to armor up correctly, uh, and I'm, I'm excited, quite frankly, that yeah. the Christians today are, are going to have to take a stand for Jesus Christ in many ways, right. and, and it's going to create a little bit of a spine that we've lacked at, at, at an occasion, and perhaps even recently in the church, where maybe we've gotten a little complacent with just uh, wanting a, a better sound system, right. a, a little better smoke <laughs> machine, and, and yet there are More lives being lost. Yeah, yeah. We, We've lost scope and sequence of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ and yes, going through affliction, having to take a stand, maybe being persecuted a bit, um, you know, alienated by family members. I mean, having the sword come right into our living room, causing us to take a stand for Jesus Christ. So these are some interesting times, and that's why Engage in Truth is here, so that we can equip the saints for the work of ministry. Mm-hmm. You talked about it, that we have been using this theme verse from 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 18 to 20, that we've been called to wage the good war. Warfare, right. and and Paul often implored Timothy to think like a soldier, act like a soldier for Jesus Christ, not tolerate the things that were infiltrating the church and causing it to compromise its allegiance to Jesus Christ, and and not wanting it to end up like like Laodicea, right. where it become lukewarm and, and without direction, and and acting like the world instead of acting fully devoted to Christ. And so it is a tactical, noble campaign that we are called to, which is not a one-off skirmish. We rarely are going to experience that type of uh, gift, perhaps, as we might think of it in the flesh, as somehow there's no adversity for taking a stand for Christ. This is a, as long as we are breathing in this body, we have to be ready that the enemy who seeks to devour will come against us, our family, and test every aspect of if we say we follow Christ, expect it to be tested. So let's, let's look at this because Satan is on the attack. And, and we frequently, rarely see how he attacks. And he is out to deceive mankind. 
and if possible, even the elect. That's scary. That With great signs, wonders, false teachers, and a false gospel, and it is infiltrating everywhere. It's not that he just told us this. He, the Lord Jesus, told us this once. He told us this often in Matthew 24, 2 Corinthians 4 and 11, Thessalonians, we see that in 2 Thessalonians 2, 5 to 12, amongst many others. And the enemy, he then blinds people with false religion, unbelief, entertainment, the illusion of substance, distractions, busyness, and fleshly gratifications, just to name a few. And those who follow Christ are on his hit list. So we have to be discerning in this that the enemy is rarely unique or original in how he comes against us. And Dr. Ford, we've talked about that, that you know, if, if there's been an issue in our family of perhaps our father or our father's father has dealt with pride issues, possibly our own father then has dealt with pride, and, right. and perhaps we're, we're dealing, dealing with, with pride, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, and then we fall right into it as if we just can't break this domino effect of this cascading disobedience to God that somebody has to stand apart in this and say, that is wrong, and I will no longer be a party to that. It is because otherwise what we find is that there are generations that are impacted by the generational consequences of sin. Now, we know according to Ezekiel 18, especially as we go all the way through Ezekiel 33, the Lord judges each on their own basis of their choices that they have made. He doesn't judge them based on the decisions their parents have made, but there are generational consequences for disobedience. If I were to divorce my wife today, that's going to affect my children, right? They, They can't avoid the consequence then of my sin before God. So what we have to understand here is that we have to do a vulnerability assessment that if there has been a cascading effect of disobedience, we need to set apart our family, consecrate it unto the Lord, put up a barrier, say no more. This ends right now. This family belongs to the Lord. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I don't think we we tend to look with in our families like that and look for potential weaknesses. So in the history of my family, what has really been a problem from one generation to the next? Yeah. And then, like you said, how do you take a stand and say this this goes no further? This you know stops right. with me and my generation. Yeah, I mean to make the, that declaration. I mean, you think about businesses will often do a mission statement, right? You know, and I wonder if for for families, if we could start to adopt a That's similar a practice to say, let's let's be we are consecrated, set apart unto Jesus Christ, right. and if this, according to Ephesians five, models Christ and His church. Let's act like it. Let's act like we have a mission because he tells us that we do. Let's be in a mindset of we belong to him. Lord, have thy way with me and within me and this family. And and I think that what you have to do, we're not as part of a ministry called Heritage Builders, we'd often tell people you have to assess your situation. You have brought something into the marriage where you have learned perhaps some unhealthy behaviors ways of engaging in conflict that may not be a healthy way of engaging in conflict. Maybe you're prone to emotional outbursts or whatever that might look like. And you have to stand back, take the 30,000 foot approach and say, those ways are not going to be conducive for a family that belongs to Jesus Christ. Now I have got to identify the chinks in the armor, work to fill those spaces, put the armor on to fill the gaps and now move forward as a, as a, a prepared fortress for the Lord's work. Your right. home is a fortress against the darkness on your block, right? Right. And if you, like you said, if we don't take the time to recognize those, we can't address them. It's like in medicine, you need an accurate diagnosis to formulate an effective treatment plan. That's right. 
it's the same sort of thing. We have to actually spend the time and, and actually look for those things before we can actually start to address them. That's right. And then make a change. And then that just takes discernment. Right. <laughs> I say just. Mm-hmm. That's just discernment. That's all you need, really. <laughs> well, that's by way of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know that we really pray for that and say, Lord, help me to identify the chinks in the armor yeah, of this family. And, 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 you know, the, the better we communicate with God, the better we will communicate with our spouses, with our mm-hmm. children, with our coworkers. Mm-hmm. It point. starts in the prayer closet. Yeah. So when we learn how to articulate the need, Asking the Lord for discernment to identify these things, be clear and concise when we're dealing with sin. Mm-hmm. You can't just placate it. You can't right. just generalize it. Right. Lord, I, I know I did some sin, sinny kind of things. So, you know, all that stuff, I don't need to specify. I'm just going to chalk it all up to sin. That's not how this works. The right. Lord wants us to deal with it with specificity. And in so doing, we will learn then to ask him as a commander of an outpost Your home is now a war station for doing battle against the forces of darkness in your neighborhood, in your place of work. It's time to think like that, right? I mean, to think like a soldier. So that's only how we're going to properly assess, I think, Ephesians chapter 6, when we talk about the armor of God, because unless we start to think like a soldier who's not to put down deep roots in this world, but to operate as our commanding officer has instructed us to operate, where we are not putting in roots deep into this soil, we are not getting attached to the affairs of this world, we are doing as our commanding officer instructs us to operate as, if we don't have that proper mindset, then putting on the armor of God is not going to make a lot of sense. Right. So let's read that, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, and we'll get into see how many pieces we can cover here today, because there are six pieces of armor, but there's a seventh that's often overlooked, which is prayer. That's a key piece of this. So you can strap on these pieces of armament and the cleats, put on the helmet and the the chest piece, of breastplate of righteousness and so forth, but we don't want to miss this huge wonderful weapon that has been given to us to engage in warfare through prayer. And we find that you can't move those mountains without prayer and fasting. And that's why it's covered here in the armor as well. But in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 18, we read, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you'll be able to extinguish all the flaming missiles of the evil one and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. So here we're told quite clearly, this is a spiritual battlefield, and we are to armor up accordingly. It's not a choice, it's a directive. And he starts off here with the belt of truth. And Dr. Ford, we've talked a great deal about this piece in and of itself. I mean, we are told in John 14, 6, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the truth. 
I find it interesting because as you examine how, say we, we use the Romans as the backdrop for this. I mean, they were off the most powerful military force in the world at that time. Uh, you know, they would put this belt on and, and this belt would hold everything else in place. And they would go through these exercises, these wrestling matches, in which they would try to wrestle away the belt. So whoever would conquer their opponent, they would try to take the belt from their opponent because that meant everything else would just fall out. You, you would just have, you would be totally defeated because the belt held everything together. Wow. And so if they wrestled away the belt, the victor has now robbed you of the very thing that holds the rest of your armament together. And so you think about that, that's what the enemy tries to do as the deceiver. He robs us to try to take truth from us, and it's not our armor that we're putting on. We are putting on Jesus's armor. Right. This is God's armor, and we are putting it upon ourselves, and the very first piece is Christ himself. He is the truth. He's given us the truth of his word, and we are putting that on that holds everything else together. And it's important to understand that he tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5, 8, but since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on, and this is where he gives us the next pieces, the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. So now you've got the truth. Now it's time to add the other pieces because you can't operate with anything else if you don't have truth. That is the foundation of everything, and that's what we hold on to as Christians, that we know that we stand on an absolute rock of assurance that this is a rock that will not wither away in the storms and it will hold us securely in place no matter what the tides may bring in. So the next piece, of course, is the breastplate of righteousness. And this I find is interesting that the breastplate does so much more than we really give it the the visual of what it does. I think that we picture maybe in the Crusades and we've got this, you know, shiny knight you know, that comes over the hilltop on his horse and you picture this breastplate. But even from the Romans, you would have often an insignia that would be on the top piece of that breastplate. And, and, and it's right over your heart. So you think about that not only does this breastplate protect you in warfare, there's something about how it guards the heart and the allegiance to something that's right over the top of it. It's not just an insignia like a giant cross or whatever the symbol might be on the shield, but now you have it on the breastplate, and it's right over the place, the heart of a man, the, the depths of how a man thinks and his allegiance to something, and this guards that. And you think about what righteousness means. It's a pure life. You're not putting on your own righteousness because we know our own righteousness is filthy rags. Right. So we're putting on the righteousness of Jesus Christ that atones for us. It comes upon us, and it's his image that we bear and we're sealed by the holy spirit and and so therefore it's his insignia our allegiance to him almost as if you have this giant cross or whatever that image is that the world should be able to see i belong to another i fight for another i represent another and i'm putting on that pure life of his righteousness upon me now it, it's a gift that's appropriated through Christ. And Isaiah 59, 17 specifically mentions that the Messiah is wearing the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness. And with that breastplate, Jesus faced every temptation of Satan with 100% victory. Now, what do you expect that? We're like, well, that's the Lord. Of course, he's going to have that victory. But we see that he's the one who wears it. 
He's the one who appropriates it, and we're the ones who put it on. He has proven its effectiveness. It's not a weak armor. It's not a metal that was chiseled into place and, and, and positioned by men. No, no, this is from Christ himself that we strap on and prepare for battle. And then, of course, we have this wonderful text from Romans chapter 13, verses 12 to 14. He says, the night is almost gone and the day is at hand. Let us therefore lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. So it's not just any armor. This is the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision of the flesh in regard to its lusts. So I love how the imagery there of the armor is putting him on us. Right, The atonement of Christ himself, who gives us total victory over Satan, it's almost like the, the atoning over the door frames in Egypt, by the blood over the door frames. We are putting on holy Christ Jesus so that God, when he sees us, he sees his son, not our iniquity, not our sin, not how we fall short every day. He sees his son. Therefore, when we are armored up, we are wearing Christ himself. It's pretty powerful. Yeah, it's great when Paul says that we are seated with Christ in the heavenlies. Mm, amen. You know, I think that's just a, a great example of, of what you're saying. Yeah. And, and, you know, and then it just even gets better, I, I think, from the standpoint of each of these pieces of armor. I, I get tired of fighting on my heels. Right. You know, I, we talk, we've talked about that a great deal. Yeah. We get into such a defensive posture where right. we're constantly taking the blows, it feels like, of the enemy, and we're always in a reactive posture. And, and what the armor does for us is it shows us it's time to stop that. It's time to start advancing for the cause of Christ rather than taking blow after blow. Yeah, I think you've made a great point. Even at the beginning of Ephesians 6, he's talking about this is God's armor. This is God's power. This is not of our own power. That's right. It reminds me of when David tried on Saul's armor. You know, it's like a little kid trying to wear his dad's clothes or his dad's shoes. It's not going to fit. That's you right. know, it has to be actually the power of, of Christ himself that actually activates these various pieces of armor that we're to put on. Yeah, and, and it's, it's such a great visual. And we know in the spiritual places, we, like King David, don't need some sort of metal accoutrements in order to have victory right. over the enemy. This is just simply a visual for us to understand the necessity that when we arise in the morning, there's a proper frame of mind. There's a right. proper paradigm that the enemy is a roaring lion seeking to devour, and all you care about is getting the oil changed in your car, getting your appointments today done. Maybe the dog has a bad tooth that needs to be fixed. <laughs> right. I mean, we just don't even have a proper mindset as yeah. a soldier for Amen. Jesus Christ. That's right. And we allow these things to whittle away at our, our purpose, that we are in a spiritual battle place, lives are on the line. People are going to go to hell today, and we seem unconcerned about that. And it's time that that whole paradigm be changed to be a soldier of the living, breathing God who has appointed and called us before the foundation of the earth. Amen. And we haven't even touched on the other pieces, so we'll have to get to those next week as we really even explore, starting with the cleats that they put on, having shod their feet with the gospel of peace. What does that mean? So we'll get into the other pieces next week, Dr. Ford. I mean, it goes by so quickly. It really 25 does. 25 minutes does. But I thank you for listening. As you have, perhaps you're driving down the road and you're listening to this message. Maybe you're listening from the comfort of your home. Wherever you may be, I certainly hope that Engage in Truth has convicted you a bit. Maybe as you're learning more about God's holy word, that you're being equipped 
for the work of ministry, because the work of ministry is not just when you go to seminary and, 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 and do all the things that maybe a pastor might do. You are called to the front lines. You are the body of Christ. Every one of us have been given a gift if we are filled by the Holy Spirit. It's not your talents. It's the fact that if you are a Christian, you're a temple of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will work through you, and you are going to come up against a very real enemy today who seeks to devour. So you need the strength of the Holy Spirit, the full armor of God, putting on Jesus Christ today, and you will know victory. And he will never give you more temptation than you can handle. He will always lead you away if you're willing. If you want to say no to sin, no to the old life, and you want to fully embrace a new life in Jesus Christ our Lord, he will guide you. He will fight for you. You are not alone in this spiritual battle place. So we want to thank you for listening to Engage in Truth. If you've missed this, you know, you want to go back and listen to this one, and maybe you've missed some of the prior broadcasts in this series, you can find them all at calvaryfountain.com. This is a ministry of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. Services are 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Sundays, and we'd love to worship with you. God bless you, my friends. Take care.